Welcome to Questions That Matter. This is a podcast of the C.S. Lewis Institute, where we pursue discipleship of the heart and mind. And today, my conversation partner is Greg Kokel. Greg, welcome to Questions That Matter. Thank you, Randy. I love the uh, the name of your program, Questions That Matter. Of course, you wrote Questioning Evangelism. It's a fabulous book. We are kindred spirits in this regard. And it's been a long time since we actually connected. I, I remember a joke you told when I sat in on your session, it was wonderful. It was the EPS conference many years ago. Maybe that was the last time we saw each other. And you, you said, I, uh, I've heard all the Jewish mother jokes, and they're true, and they're not funny. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't a joke, Greg. Um, let me tell you, my, and, and, and years of therapy have only confirmed that. Um, well, you know, it was quite a while ago that we were together at the same conference, and I think there's yeah. a reason why we, we haven't been at the same place, because you and I say very similar things, and we both talk mm-hmm. about the importance of questions. And I, right. I think organizers of this conference felt like, okay, we shouldn't have Randy and Greg on the same bill because people are going to feel like they're not getting their money's worth. Um, That's right. I I ended up speaking on some new age concepts. So anyway, uh, but I sat in on your session. It was wonderful. So nice to see you again, Randy. Oh, good to have you. And let me tell our listeners, if they're not familiar, uh, Greg holds degrees in apologetics and philosophy. He's a adjunct professor at uh, in Christian apologetics at Biola University. Uh, he's had a long career in the world of apologetics, particularly leading one of my favorite ministries, Stand to Reason. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. First, Thank Greg, you. give us a little co- a little commercial about Stand to Reason. I, I think it's just a great resource for people to access answers to questions. Thank but you. Give us- Give us a little background of it. Yeah, I, actually, we're in our 30th year right now. It's our 30-year anniversary. It's just hard to imagine that uh, God has taken us along for all that time. And it's for me, it's been like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Uh, I started because I wanted to try to, yeah, crazy. I, I wanted to, to try to make a contribution to the conversation in our culture about uh, important things. And I saw a lot of the Christians that were engaging publicly in conversation, their answers were often shallow and mm-hmm. they were shrill. <laughs> so, uh, or Christians were often just silent, you know. And so um, what I wanted to do is to develop an enterprise that would, and this is our mission statement, train Christians to think more carefully about their mm-hmm. convictions mm-hmm. than offer a thoughtful, gracious but incisive defense for classical Christianity and for classical classical Christian values. And our, our goal is incarnational. We're trying to build a certain or produce a certain kind of person. We call them an ambassador. Okay, an ambassador is somebody with knowledge. Uh, if you think about an ambassador, you know, representing a sovereign somewhere, they have to know a few things. They got to have ability to maneuver effectively in conversations, and they have to have a character that... Um, that commends the message and doesn't detract from the message. Yeah, so good. the way we characterize this at Standard Reason is knowledge is an accurately informed mind. Of course, apologetics has, plays a big role there. Um, wisdom is the second one, and that's an uh, that's a uh, artful method. And this is an area that you and I have worked uh, uh, in similar ways in with the questions. It's a, a tactical approach, and uh, character is an attractive manner. So our 30 years have been trying to build Christians in all those areas and to um, get more people out in the game, as it were, and make the case that Christianity properly understood 
and properly articulated is worth thinking about, that the smart money is on Jesus of Nazareth. And so that's what we've been doing for 30 years. And, um, you know, God has been just really gracious to us. Like I said, I really feel like I've been along for the ride here. I, I didn't make all this happen. I've got a great staff, about 19 people right now, four different speakers. And, um, and uh, but I was there when it all happened from the beginning. So I feel very privileged to have been part of that. And, you know, I, I, I've told people a lot of times, we, I think a lot of us, a lot of Christians feel like, oh, I'm alone in this evangelistic enterprise. I got, I got this friend, I've been talking to him, I answer questions, and uh, I, I want to say, well, first of all, we're not alone in that the Lord is involved, and he's the one really doing the impossible work of drawing people. Right. But we also live at a time with such incredible resources online. Uh, mm -hmm. And so str.org is one of several sources that we could say to people, you know, I, uh, there's this article that I think you should read. I, I think it. I, I think it can probably answer your question a whole lot better than right. I can. Um, right. Greg Kukul is smarter than me. Kokel, pardon me. Everybody <laughs> needs to know. Pay attention. Pay uh, pronounce his name correctly. Uh, so we um, we have all these resources that we can point people to, which is also a very very helpful thing. Right. Um, right. So. So let's dive in. You you wrote a yeah. book several before, years ago. Before we do that, let me toss let me toss this out to, as yeah. an encouragement for what you said. We feel alone, but what I've noticed traveling around, maybe you've seen this too, Randy, is that there are all kinds of boots on the ground operations, enterprises, grassroots things that the Holy Spirit is doing all over the world, especially yeah. in the United States. So lots of great things are happening, even if we don't see them. I get yes. visibility of it on occasion, and that's what one thing I'm amazed. You're not alone, even in the troops are out there. We're doing the job. We just have to worry about what's right in front of us right now. And that's what we're, we're going to get into. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I, I do see that. And and the vast, vast, vast majority of them are very ordinary, everyday churches that are connecting with lost people, churches, pastors that are preaching really good messages, but they're never going to be famous. They never are. They're not going to write best-selling right. books and and they don't want to. And that has that's not what God has called them to. But there's great stuff going on. Right. Uh, really all over the world. And we don't hear right. about it enough, but um, we need to look for it because it is very, very encouraging. Yeah. So, well, you wrote a book a while ago called Tactics. We actually right. use it in our uh, fellows program as uh, evangelism training, apologetics training. Oh, great. And it's about how to ask questions and use questions. But now you've written up, uh, I guess it's a sequel, is it? Uh, Street right. Smarts. Tell us, well, right. the subtitle is important, Using Questions to Answer Christianity's Toughest Challenges. Mm -hmm. So tell us wh what made you say, oh, I need to add to what I wrote in Tactics. Well, um, the liability of the game plan that I offer in Tactics, it's a three-step game plan. And the third step, is the hard one. The first two steps are very, very simple, okay? All the steps use questions. But the third step, we use questions not to gain information 
or to ask a person why he believes what he believes. That's the first two steps. We're just mm. really in the shallow end of the pool, no risk to us. We're gathering information that will help us understand their view. And it's amazing how often God will use just those two steps. We're not even trying to make our point, and the, the Lord will do something amazing in that. And even for beginners who know only the first two steps of the game plan, which by the way, I review in Street Smarts. So it's if you've already read Tactics, great. If you haven't and you want to, fine, but you don't need it to to do the street smarts aspect because street smarts focuses on the third aspect, and the third aspect is using questions to make a point, using questions to make a point. And the particular point that we're pursuing in this regard with street smarts is dealing with a challenge that's offered to Christianity or a point of view that is contrary to Christianity. So atheism or pro-choice, for example, these are two views that people have contrary to our view. And um, now how do we disabuse people of their of their false ideas or how do we at least get them wondering about whether they're sound. And this is something I'm really more after here. And maybe I can say, make a point about a foundational concern that I have in this whole enterprise. And it's a little bit controversial. I'll acknowledge that right away. But um, I actually don't worry about leading people to Christ. That is the action of praying with somebody to receive Christ, Hmm. the harvesting, so to speak. Because if you're not going to have a harvest unless you have a season of gardening. Hmm. And when I look in the New Testament, what I see is gardening, gardening, gardening. And then when people come to Christ, a lot of times the fruit just falls into the basket. That happened to me. 50 years and about a week ago, I just had my first 50th uh, birthday as a Christian. And um, when when I was ready, I harvested myself because the mm-hmm. fruit was ripe. And Randy, when I take polls now, every time I give this talk, I take a poll. I did two different presentations this last weekend, and I asked people how many did not become, who are Christian, did not become Christian by w- walking down the aisle for an altar call or praying with someone to receive Christ as Lord and Savior, which are huh. motifs that most of us right. imagine are the kind of standard ways of this happening. Yeah. And, uh, and seven, 60 to 70% average, average yeah. raise their hand. Oh, In other words, so good. they were harvested by the Holy Spirit. I, I mean, it's amazing. I was shocked, but they were harvested by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so since a lot of people, when presented with an evangelism model that requires them to try to get people to pray to receive Christ, those Christians are going to sit on the bench because that's too unnerving for them, yeah. especially in yeah. a hostile environment. Oh, when I tell them, don't worry about that, worry about the gardening and then give them a tool to garden. I'm telling you, the audience just comes alive with that. And I've had people oh, tell me, so because that's the emphasis in the tactics book here, the audience, I've had time and time again, people tell me, and I'm sure you've heard it as well, this book changed my life. Mm. When I started adopting this approach to engagement, using questions and not really trying to close the deal, everything changed for me, including Mm. their effectiveness for the gospel's sake. And so this concept of gardening is really important. Man, man, this is, uh, well, I've been saying things like this for a while, but but I don't think I realized until just now. I mean, so that's a big part of my story. I, I didn't I didn't pray with someone in a one on one conversation. I didn't 
stand or, or walk forward in a group thing. Now, there were tons of conversations with people beforehand, but sure. at some point I realized, oh, now I believe. Well, when was yes. the moment of, when was the moment of conversion? I, right. I, I don't really know. Um, well, you know, this is the C.S. Lewis Institute and we love C.S. Lewis. Yeah. So I, I'm not really required to quote him every time, but I just feel I, I can't stop myself. But, you know, Lewis's conversion to right. Christianity, not just On not, not theism. That's right. He's a, I got in the, the sidecar of Warney's motorcycle and we went to the zoo. When I got in the, the sidecar, I was not a Christian. When we got to the zoo, I was. <laughs> right. So, there you go. So, so that, that's exactly people, what I'm talking about here. Yeah. Just just clarify a little bit. Gardener versus harvester, just in case people are not. I mean, just kind of bring that to a, a clearer picture for us. Yeah. OK. Uh, think of John chapter four, woman at the well. Jesus has the conversation. Then he tells the disciples, you are about to reap where you did not sow. OK, mm-hmm. you're going to get the easy, easy pickings, the low hanging fruit. Yeah. Somebody else did the heavy lifting. Now, this is Sychar. Uh, and, and so w- w- what's going to happen? There's a there's a harvest. He said the fields are white for harvest. I think he was talking about Sychar. Even in the conversation with the woman at the well, Jesus didn't lead her to Christ. He spoke to her about the truth, challenged her about her immorality in a very coy way. And then she ran off to Sychar and she told everybody, maybe this is the Messiah. And then people came and they spent a couple of days there. And there was a harvest that that the 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 people ended up believing. Okay, that's the harvest. All right. But before the harvest, there's always going to be gardening. And this is true. You mentioned it in your own life. It was true in my life. It's probably it's true in a region too. before a big revival in a region, a lot's going on. Yeah, and uh, sure. and I think that happened also in the book of Acts because the thousands that became Christians uh, on Pentecost and subsequent to it just came into the kingdom believing based on the preaching. And the preaching had been going on for 40 days after the resurrection. And Jesus had done this preaching too. Ironically, you never see an altar call in the book of Acts or the gospels, and you never see anybody being challenged to pray to receive Christ. That motif, though I'm not against that, is actually about 150 years old. It's historically new in Christianity. This concept then frees us up to think about doing a little here and doing a little there. Mm -hmm. And uh, and there are a lot of examples that I give in Street Smarts. uh, And the reason I title it Street street Smarts, by the way, is because the street is where you feel uncomfortable and vulnerable. Yeah. which is just yeah. about yeah. everywhere nowadays spiritually right. speaking. Yeah. But if you are if you're properly trained, if you're capable, if you know the answers to the challenges, if you know how to handle yourself in the street so to speak, mm-hmm. then you're not as frightened. It's not as is not as difficult and you're willing to venture out. And this is the gardening technique in the game plan that I offer both in tactics and in review and street smarts and then apply to a host of different issues that I go into detail in in Street Smarts, and this is what unique about that book. So I have two chapters on atheism. I have a chapter on the problem of evil. I have a chapter on whether you could be good without God. I have two chapters on abortion. I have two chapters on issues with the Bible, and uh, say slavery and alleged genocide in the Bible, or or science in the Bible. And I have uh, two. I have a chapter on uh, gender and sex and marriage. And and so um, the whole point is, I'm trying to cover the bases that people are going to encounter in the street. Yeah. But when you are, so to speak, 
armed with a game plan that includes the answers to the challenge. You know what's wrong with these challenges. That's where I go into depth into the book. But then I say, okay, now here are the questions you can use to begin to expose the, the, the problems with these views and hear the dialogues as they might unfold. It helps people have stepping stones for every single one of these issues so that they can have genial yet productive conversations in an uh, atmosphere that they thought in the past was really unnerving or even frightening. Yeah. This gives oh, street smarts. Good. Are you ready to grow in your faith? Well, here's a resource that could help you on your spiritual journey. We call it Journey. Uh, it is a nine-month small group program designed to help you become a better grounded disciple of Jesus Christ who faithfully follows and actively serves God. Each week, you'll grow through Bible readings and short assignments with uh, world-class teachers. We've put together uh, these resources for you. They're very accessible. And through the journey adventure, you can discover the same joy and power that the early disciples experienced as they followed Jesus. So if you're ready to get started, um, may it be that God would be with you as you explore that. Here's a link. You'll want to go to our website, cslewisinstitute.org slash journey hyphen sign up. I sure hope you got that. Let me repeat it. cslewisinstitute.org slash journey hyphen sign up. Good. Um, boy, you're touching on so many things. And so today's episode of Questions That Matter is going to be seven hours long. Hang in, everybody. <laughs> oh, no, no, just kidding. But I, I want to go back again. Uh, gardener versus harvester. Sure. Uh, the, the, the terms in John chapter four are sowing and reaping. That's if, right, I'm remembering, if I'm remembering correctly, Jesus said that the sowing is the harder work. I think he says that, you know, this is the hard part is the sowing part. The reaping is relatively easy, like you're saying. Am I Actually, remembering I don't know if he uses those language, but the, the point is he says some sow and some reap. Okay. And, and all you have to do is just reflect on it and you realize that's true. I mean, even in agriculture, it's the gardening that takes a long time. When the fruit is ripe, it just falls from the vine. Yeah. Ripe fruit is easy to harvest. Okay. That's yeah. really critical. And that's why it happens so automatically with so many people, 70% of the time. This is, it's just automatic. And in your life and in my life, I, I talked to um, uh, um, Kirk Cameron the other day, you know, I was on his show and he said, that same thing happened to me. So even people in public visibility, it turned out that that's the way it happened with them. Mm. But uh, but so for me, the key is, and this is an important concept that I have in both books, what is my goal then when I'm talking with someone about okay. spiritual things? My goal isn't to lead them to Christ in that moment. My goal is to, the way I characterize it is put a stone in their shoe. Yeah. I've in read other words, I, I, I don't want to. I want to annoy them in a good way, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. So that they keep thinking. thinking long after your conversation with them is exactly over. Exactly right. 
Good, exactly good. right. Now, some people might call it, well, that's planting a seed. Yeah, I don't want to plant a seed. I want to put a stone in their shoe. You know, I want to, I want to, that image. And and by the way, it's become iconic. People say this to me all the time now. And I, I think that's, that's a good goal. If I can talk to somebody, Randy, and have a, even a, a brief conversation or maybe a longer one, and what I've done is given them something to think about, stone in the shoe. I'm a happy camper. That's my yeah. only goal. And yeah. then if they want to talk more, fine. But I try not to overwhelm people too much in one setting. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't mean that I have to make sure I get the gospel, squeeze that into every conversation. Jesus didn't do that. I don't see why I, I have to do that either. Hmm. And if somebody has a good gardening tool, this will av- allow them to advance in a very genial, relaxed way with the kinds of questions that can really make a difference. So I want to go back a little bit because you you said it was a three-stage game plan. And if if I pick this up correctly, that um, so a first wave of using questions is is just getting to know the person. Well, it's getting to know the person, but let's like that's part of it if you're total strangers you're just drawing people out but uh the goal is to gather information that's the key of the first step but this is especially helpful randy if you're talking with someone you're already in a spiritual conversation they're offering challenges and the model question so i give two model questions for the first two steps very simple the model question is what do you mean by that Mm what do you mean by that now that's the model question It, it shouldn't be delivered in a wooden way Somebody says to me, well, I'm an atheist. I'm not a Christian. I'm an atheist. I say, oh, all right. What kind of atheist are you? Okay. I'm just tossing the ball into their court. Right. If the person says, well, what about the problem of evil? I say, what about it? Well, it's a problem for you, isn't it? Well, what exactly is the problem? Now, I'm not trying to avoid answering, but I want them to talk as much as possible about what's on their mind, what they think the problem is. Well, the Bible's been changed. We hear that. Uh, And okay, uh, in what way? Explain that to me. What's the difficulty there? Tell me about that concern. All yeah, right. right. Uh, well, uh, et cetera, et cetera. All right. So, so um, the point here is we want to let the other, this is counterintuitive for a lot of Christians. We want to let the other person talk as much as possible about their own view. It's counterintuitive because they think, why should I let the other guy have all the time talking about the false view? And here's the reason. For one, it'll help you understand their view. That's really important. No straw men. All right. Secondly, it will help them understand their view. Yes. Right. And I have found in multiple circumstances when I've required, uh, requested somebody to explain their view in more detail, removing any ambiguities for me, it's just got them thinking about the legitimacy of their view. Right. Right. Because if their view is false, the more they talk, the bigger the hole is that they'll be digging for themselves, probably. All right. So wait, I want to, I'm slow. I'm sorry, Greg. Uh, So the first phase is using questions to gather information. What's the second, what's the second step? Okay. It's, it's to gather a second type of information. The first is the detail on their view. The second is detail on why they hold their view. Okay. The atheist atheist gives me more detail. I said, why are you an atheist? Why why don't you believe there is a God? Hmm. Now, I don't know what they're going to say, but see, it's what they say next that is going to give me a, a kind of a platform for, for discussing their issues. Now, of course, 
in the next step, the third step, we're going to talk about difficulties in particular issues and use questions to expose those. And I'll give you some examples of that. But the value of these first two steps is, first of all, I, I like to say questions keep you safe. Questions. You say that you very clearly. Safe. Yeah, good. The, the more that you ask questions, the more information you're getting, but the less information you're giving. If you give less information at this stage, then you have nothing to account for. People aren't going to hold you responsible for a view you don't express. <laughs> now, that's a position of safety. Now, yeah. some more aggressive types will be thinking, wait, I want to get down to business. All right, there'll be a turn for that. But there's a whole lot of people who aren't ready to get down to business who are Christians. What I'm saying to those Christians is, look, if you just get in conversations and politely and with an interest in the other person, ask them what they believe and get detailer and ask them why they believe it. I promise, first of all, there's no risk. You're the shallow end of the pool. Ankle mm -hmm. deep. That's it. Good. Easy. Secondly, I promise you, you are going to get an education and God is going to work just through that. Good. So even Good. that truncated game plan is yep. going to make progress. Okay. Yeah. That's mostly the tactics book. Okay. Street Smarts is dedicated to taking it to the third step. And that is showing a weakness or a flaw, making a point by showing a weakness or a flaw or parrying a charge that somebody might make to you. Yeah. So there's the three steps, That's gathering information. What do you mean by that? Finding the reasons for somebody's view. How did you come to that conclusion? That's the model question. What are your reasons? How did you come to that conclusion? Very simple, two steps. Now, what we're going to do, if we're able, and, and that that this is a little harder step. You're going to make a point and you have to know what point you're going to make. So you got a target you have to shoot for. This is what I dedicate all those chapters to with regards to individual issues. Hmm. So let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. So let's say an atheist says to me, well, there's no evidence for God. Now, I happen to know, and I go into detail in the book on, on the backstory for all of these issues, that one of the most powerful evidences for the existence of God is the fact that the universe had a beginning. All right. Big Bang cosmology, whatever you want to call it. Some Christians don't like that. That's all right. Does not matter. Don't worry about that. Because mm -hmm. what matters is both the Christian and the non-Christian believe the universe had a beginning. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. That's right. Common that's what ground. We want to work with. Yeah. Okay. Common ground there. Okay. So with that in mind, here is how my conversation would go. Very simply, uh, the atheist says, well, there's no evidence for God. I said, do you mind if I ask you a few questions? <laughs> no, go ahead. I'll there you go. You know what's coming. You're thinking, Randy, you're thinking, if I say, do you mind if I ask you some questions? They ought to duck, right? Let me just dive in here. When you say, may I ask you some questions, when they say yes, that has an effect on them. It's, okay, I I gave this guy permission exactly. to push this further. So yeah. I... um. It has, it, it can have a softening effect. And, of course, and again, yeah. um, we're not trying to do this so that we, ah, gotcha. We're, we're really right. trying to love this person and serve right. them by allowing our questions and their wonderings to help them move out of darkness right. into light. That's so, right. It's, um, not a, it's, it's not a gladiator event. <laughs> and too many public discussions. You know what I'm talking about, right? Who can draw first blood? They're the winners, you know. This is uh, not, even for Christians do this. Oh, I'm not a gladiator event, right? You're right. <laughs> okay. 
<clears throat> so, so we get permission. Okay, the first couple of questions are pretty easy. I tell them, uh, just play along with me, okay? And I said, okay, first one is, do you think things exist? Now, when I was at University of Toronto and I had an atheist at the microphone, he was really reluctant to follow my lead of asking questions. So finally he said, okay, this microphone exists, you know, it was in front of him. I said, okay, I can work with that. Uh, I agree with you, it does exist. So we're on the same page, right? I said, secondly, the things that exist, whatever they are, have they always existed? No, they haven't always existed. In other words, they came in to being at some point in time in the past. Yeah, yeah, right. So there was when there was no universe and then there was a universe. Yes. Well, I agree with you on that one too. Okay. Notice I was asked a couple of little clarification questions to get these, these points firmly on the table, as it were. I said, okay, now here's the third question. And this is the most important. Okay. What caused everything to come into existence? Mm -hmm. By the way, there's only two options. I tell them either something or no thing. <laughs> Huh. Something did or no thing did. Now, wh wh what do you think? What's your answer? Now, they don't want to say something because they're atheists, right? They're skeptics yeah. or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. And if it's something, it's something outside of the material universe. That means yeah. materialism is dead right. in the water. And that means it would have to be something pretty powerful and pretty smart and probably a person to initiate the creative uh, yeah. series of events. Yeah. And so they don't want to go there. But there's only one option left. The universe came into existence with no cause, for no reason, with no purpose. That's yeah. all that's left to them. Right. 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 No, I'm not trying to prove God's existence. Yeah. I'm trying I'm asking the question, which is the best explanation for the there way things go. are. Right. You know? Yeah. Maybe things could come into existence out of nothing. Uh, by the way, if it did, then it is for no reason and no purpose. Okay, yeah. no cause, no reason, no purpose. And you're kind of stuck with that, that yeah. you can go other places with that realization. But nevertheless, um, that maybe it's possible, but it, is it the odds on favorite? That's on, the point me, I'm trying to make. Yeah, let me jump go in ahead. again. I think there's a very, very powerful word you just said in our efforts to reach out to people, and it's the word maybe. I, I think we should use that word. So sure. that we, if someone says, well, you know, I think there's no purpose. Or, well, maybe, maybe, but maybe there is purpose. Maybe there is. Which one do you think is more fitting with the reality that we see? Exactly. Um, I like the word fitting. Right. Fitting. Um, uh, yeah. Resonates with what we see and what we know. And I, exactly. for me, there's a freedom of, okay, I don't have to prove that your atheism is completely, totally, completely wrong. I just want to say, okay, maybe, but here's another thought. It seems to me this one fits the way we are as people, the way we, we see a world that has design and and beauty and anyway i'm 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 diving yeah, into no that's there, excellent so. and what you're talking about randy is explanatory power and this is a term that's often used that's in science good, and so right. what we're asking when my when my daughter when she was eight years old asked me why why do we believe god is true i said as i thought about it for a moment then i just simply said because he's the best explanation for the way things are <sighs> now notice i said best not only yeah, he's the yeah, best yeah. explanation. Yeah, he, he God's existence makes sense out of so many things. Think of Richard Dawkins, the most famous atheist in the world, who starts out his uh, his best-selling book uh, that put him on the map, really, Blind Watchmaker. Biology is a is a uh, 
a complex field that gives the appearance of having been designed for a purpose. Ah, so yeah. he acknowledges biology yeah. looks like it's been yeah. designed for a purpose. And yeah, well, maybe it looks designed because it has been designed. We here at the C.S. Lewis Institute are very excited about a new monthly publication we are launching and have launched already uh, and have sent out a few issues. Uh, in the legacy of C.S. Lewis, this new publication, which we're calling Challenging Questions, tackles subjects and issues regarding the Christian faith with a, hopefully, winsome and thoughtful approach to provide believers with good reasons for their faith and to provide seekers and skeptics with some food for thought. This new publication will be distributed monthly. We hope that you'll uh, share copies of it with uh, friends of yours, neighbors, colleagues. Go to our website, look for challenging questions. There's also a place where you can send us uh, feedback and comments about it. Maybe you could offer some possible topics you'd like to see us address. So we really hope that this uh, resource helps you as you reach out to people who are posing challenging questions to you. <laughs> Sorry. It's yeah, not no, good I mean, to laugh just... in the face of someone you're talking to if you're trying to yeah. help them. But but that is sort of comical. It, it, yes, it, it's common it gives sense. the appearance that it looks like it was designed. Hmm. Well, here's another thought. Maybe it was designed, but boy, I, yeah. I have to fight internal desires to be sarcastic and mean spirited. I, oh. I, I have to pray. No, I'm not. I'm not joking. I pray a whole lot. Lord, Lord, give me compassion and love for this person. May, oh, may yeah. I care more about them than I do about making myself look good. And it, mm -hmm. there's a whole lot going on inside of me. And I yes, think, of course, I, I don't think well, I'm good for you. That uh, well, we all need those <laughs> kinds of prayers. I feel the same way. Um, the uh, By the way, just another line along that line about the best explanation is I was at Cal at Berkeley a number of years ago and I spoke to an overflow, I mean, a huge audience. And at the, excuse me, at the end, I, I addressed the issue of human guilt. This is the existential mm. question. Why mm. is it we feel guilty? And all I said was, well, maybe you feel guilty because you are guilty. <laughs> is that in the running, I said? And the yeah. answer to guilt is not denial. That's relativism. The answer right. to guilt, I said, is forgiveness. And this is where Jesus comes in. Oh, yeah. And it's powerful yes, it concept. Is. All right. It's Let me go back for a second. And it's beautiful. It's powerful yeah, and beautiful. I, 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 I want people to feel, as I tell them, it, even if, well, gee, I don't believe this. And, and I, I don't think it's true. But, man, I... I wish it was. That that's yeah, good progress. Yeah, right. if like that sounds oh, right. really good. Anyway, you yeah. were going to. I back love the way you put Christian. it. It's beautiful. I, I wanted to go back to that little illustration, the conversation I have with the atheist using yeah. the cosmological argument. Uh, the way I put it is, a big bang needs a big banger. You know, that's a pretty straightforward to, way of putting the cosmological, or at least that form of the cosmological argument. Yeah. But yeah. Um, when um, here's something that may, may have been missed, but I I want to point it out because it it is an essential part of the street smarts approach. I could have made the same argument with an atheist by putting all those pieces on the table 
uh, myself. I could have said, well, um, things exist, and the things that exist don't always exist. The universe is not eternal. It had a beginning at the Big Bang, and therefore something had to cause the Big Bang. And it doesn't make any sense to say that nothing caused it, so something probably caused it, therefore God exists. Okay, so there it is. That's the same argument. But notice that if I had done that, I'm preaching right? And it gives an opportunity for the skeptic to jump in at every single point. I try to put a piece on the table, you know, well, things exist. Well, maybe we're just butterflies dreaming. Okay. And they haven't always existed. Well, some people believe the universe is eternal. Well, blah, 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 blah. And so now, you know, I don't get anywhere, but I didn't do that. What I did is subtly enlisted the skeptic as an ally in making the case against himself, Excellent. because I use the questions then to get him to put the pieces on the table, not me. Yeah, and this is good. key. In good. all my dialogues, we have the same thing going on. These little questions that are meant to elicit a common sense response. But when the pieces are all in place, then you have what might be called the mic drop moment, okay, which is the last question that really matters. Now, are they cornered a little bit? Yes, they're cornered, but they're cornered in all the right ways. They're not cornered in a way like I'm – yes, I'm not trying to make them look stupid. I'm trying to get them to think about their view, which has a serious liability that maybe they have not confronted. And that's the stone in the shoe concept that I talk mm. about. And do you find this sometimes? I, I find with some people, if I do this, you know, they say what they believe and I ask a question to well, tell me why, what has convinced you of that and how have you arrived at this point? For a lot of people, as they talk, they, they almost start talking themselves out of their belief yeah. because they start seeing, well, no, wait a minute, that's not a very good explanation. Oh, why did you say <laughs> that? So, and, and again, we're, I, I'm just repeating myself, but it's so important. It's important for me to keep repeat, repeating this to myself. Right. It's not because I want to get them. It's because I want to help them. Um, mm-hmm. If people are believing foolishness, it's not right. doing them any good. It's doing them a tremendous amount of harm. And if I mm-hmm. can have a conversation where they go, oh, maybe that's not so good, I'm mm-hmm. helping them. And that's that's a, a crying need in our time. I think people are believing yeah. some things. They're not just wrong. They're, they're deadly. They're really harmful Absolutely. for themselves. Yeah. And, and they so, may not figure out the consequences until 10 years of damage done. And we no. want to try to say, you know, I, you might want to rethink that before you go too far mm-hmm. down that path. Yeah. I'm glad you put it that way because we don't want to get them. We not, we want to get them to think. Mm. Mm-hmm. We want to get them to think in a fair and honest and accurate way about these things. And I uh, and you have found, too, just with your own work, that asking questions, especially if they are germane to the issue, that are germane to the weakness of the issue, yeah. Um, yeah. Then, then that gets them to think. Uh, I mean, just back to this question about evidence for God. If you saw uh, footprints in the sand on the beach, what would you think? Well, I think somebody was walking there. Well, why wouldn't you think that this just happened uh, by waves and wind and seagulls and shells and stuff like that? Because that doesn't make sense. Plus, there's a better explanation. What's the better Ah. explanation? Well, that somebody was walking with shoes. That's what it was. Okay, great. Got it. All right. Um, So what do you think about the human body? Oh, I think that evolved by chance. Well, wait a minute. Uh, Help me out here. You know, and then what I'm going to try to do is go back to this original illustration or maybe that, by the way, that dialogues in the book. Or if you saw a blueprint, 
what would you think uh, how that came to be? I was laying on a desk somewhere. Well, I, would you think it just kind of blew there and you know, wind and ink and everything fell together? No, of course yeah. not. There's a better explanation. Somebody made the blueprint. I mean, that's crazy to think that way. And of course it would be. Then what do you think of the DNA and the double helix and the every cell of your body? Oh, that blueprint? Oh, that evolved by chance. Okay, wait, wait, help me put these things together. And mm -hmm. so what I'm trying to do is give them the footprint couldn't have developed by chance, but the entire, what, 80,000 volumes of information in every cell, that could evolve by chance? Is, is that what you're telling me? Yeah. Really? Why would you think that? So <laughs> notice that these are all questions, but they're questions to help people to see you, things aren't fitting together. They, this is not the best explanation for the way things are. And th this is true about every topic that I cover Okay, let me give you, can I, do I have time for one other example? Yes, yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. Biblical what? example. Now, there's a lot to say about this, but genocide in the Bible. People are concerned about genocide in the Bible. Uh -huh, I, I right. get that. I understand. Yes. Okay. So when somebody says, what about genocide in the Bible? And uh, I say, well, uh, what do you mean by genocide? What is genocide? Now, that seems like a silly question to ask, and this by this portion is not in the book. I do deal with genocide, but I just thought of this a few weeks ago to help me out. Mm. And when you get in the street smarts pattern, you'll be able to think of things like this. Mm. So I just say, what is genocide? And they say, well, you know, genocide is when you kill a whole bunch of people. You mean like uh, when the Germans killed the Jews? Yeah, that was genocide. Were the Germans wrong for doing it? Yes, of course they were wrong for doing that. Okay, I have another question. What's that? Well, when the Allied soldiers came and killed millions of Germans who were killing millions of Jews, was that genocide? Ah, good. Very good. Yeah. No, that wasn't genocide. Why not? Because they were killing the bad guys who were doing the genocide. Yeah. So in other words, genocide isn't just killing a lot of people. Yeah, It's good. killing a lot of people for the wrong reason. Is that yeah. right? Is that what yeah. I'm hearing? To white now I'm looking to get that affirmation. Yeah. Okay, so now what I have in place is genocide is killing a lot of people for the wrong reason. Hmm. Okay, now I'm in a position to go back to the, the accounts in, in the Hebrew scriptures about whether or not God had a good reason to kill a lot of people when he did. And that's something that I develop in the book. Yeah. Okay. Notice how that sets things up and it sets a very different tone in this discussion. Yes. And I'm getting all the information from the other person with whom that I'm asking questions of to set up mm. the next step. Oh, this you is can so do that good. with all these issues that That's I talk right. about. So you're helping people to think and you're helping people to delve into difficult issues that they've probably only looked at from a very shallow Yes. simplistic kind of thing. Well, right. as our listeners might be able to guess, uh, Greg Kokel and I could talk for hours and hours, and we would probably <laughs> ask each other lots of questions and maybe even get to the point where we'd be like, why did you ask that question? Why did you ask that question? And it would be obnoxious. <laughs> so we really need to bring this to a close. But um, I want to give you the last word. Is there anything else you want to say? I, well, I don't want to say too much more about your book because then people won't buy it and they won't read it because you've given everything <laughs> away. And publishers will call me and say, Keep your, hey. don't do so much. No, there's a ton in this book that we didn't even get anywhere near. So it's That's a very, right. it's a very helpful book to help us think, but it also gives us very precise, here are some things to say. Here are yes. some good questions to ask. So any last things right. you want to say about the book? Yes, or it, it is your approach. It's completely understandable to be apprehensive of the street. 
okay, spiritually speaking. In fact, the first line of the book says, I have a confession to make. Uh, evangelism is hard for me. That's yes, the very I first line. That. I, I highlighted yeah. that one. Uh-huh. And so I'm with everybody listening. Um, people don't like to take tests, tests unless they know the answers to the tests. Hmm. In hmm. Street Smarts, I give you the answers and a way of using the answers that are that's congenial, that's relaxed, that's easygoing, that doesn't get you in a fight with people characteristically, but can have a powerful impact moving people closer to Christ, even if they don't pray with you at that moment to receive Christ. God's responsible for that. We aren't. Just do a little gardening, put a stone in their shoe, and watch what happens. Oh, well said, well said, and brings this to a great close. Uh, the book is Street Smarts. My friend is Greg Kokel. Uh, please check out the links that we put on the show notes uh, for this show. Also visit our website, take a look at resources. Uh, all that we put together here is to help you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and to tell others about how wonderful this great God is. Thanks for listening.